Hello and welcome to the Leaders with Ambition podcast series, the podcast that delves deep into the careers of some of the most successful leaders working in professional services firms across the UK, US and internationally. We aim to discover the secrets behind their success, the challenges they have overcome and to find out what traits make a successful leader. Hello and welcome to the latest in the Leaders with Ambition podcast series. Today, I am absolutely delighted to welcome my guest, Peter Columbus. Peter is Chief Business Development, Marketing and Communications Officer for law firms. And he's going to have such an interesting story to share with us today. So he'll take us through his career history and some of the various iterations that he's had. He was really attracted to law firms, uh, which he'll share with us, which very much down to the quality of the people and the intelligence of the people that he was working with and wanted to work with. And he's built an incredibly successful career within law. He's going to discuss with us today his four-point marketing strategy, which I thought was really fascinating and I'm sure people will be taking notes on. And also the real point of adding constant value in the business services and particularly in the marketing field and business development, you've got to add value. And there's some examples of how he's done that and actually generated a lot of revenue for the law firms as well, which is fantastic. He's also going to talk us through his massive passion, which is volunteering. And there is some amazing work that Peter's done. There is a the Big Sister, Big Brother volunteering network that I know that he's put a lot of time and energy into. I found incredibly humbling to hear some of the work he's done. And he also got recognised by the LMA, the Legal Marketing Association, for his volunteering achievements. So we'll get him to share some of that today. And to to share his thoughts around networking, sponsorship and mentoring, because I think it's incredibly important for anybody, uh, either starting their career or continuing their career. So without further ado, Peter, I'm going to hand over to you to bring your career history to life for us. Thank you, Nikki. I don't know if I can live up to it after that introduction. uh, (laughs) Thank you very much. So tell us, you know, was it that started you on your path? You you obviously, education level, didn't decide you wanted to go into law firms. So what did you start to do when you were younger? When I was in uni, I uh, ran competitively for the first couple of years and then got injured. And so I started volunteering working on a local governor's race in in the U.S. uh, for the state of Pennsylvania. And uh, from that, I met the people at Laventhal and Horwath. Uh, which was the seventh largest accounting firm. It's the whole reason why we have LLP on the end of our names. Uh, I didn't firm, know that. <laughs> yeah. So that, that firm went uh, bankrupt Thanksgiving week of 1990. And I had been with the firm at that point for five years. And after that, the laws were changed to allow the limited liability partnerships for professional service firms. But while I was meeting the people and, and working there, I also had met through my work when I was at Laventhal, I ended up meeting the mayor of Tel Aviv and a group of us ended up building a kindergarten for Christian, Jewish, and Muslim kids in the ghetto section of Tel Aviv. And that was kind of my first work on a, you know, a large you know, fundraising event. And it has continued throughout my career. And I've tried to meld the two between using that as an opportunity to you know, make introductions, meet people, do good work, but then also you know, be able to you know, do some business development through that. That's amazing. And I mean, talk me through that. How did that happen? You know, you make it sound like it's something that lots of people could do or have the opportunity to do, but you you really pushed yourself out of your comfort zone, didn't you, to do that that but, yeah, to a point. I mean, it was it was you know having some good mentors, having people that 
um, you were passionate about that and, you know, you know, teaching me kind of the ropes of that. And it kind of went hand in hand with the fundraising we were doing for the political campaign as well. Mm -hmm. But with it, you know, the whole concept, I'm, I'm Irish Catholic myself, but the concept of being able to build a kindergarten for Jewish and Christian and Muslim children, you know, to get them together, you know, when they're young and when we see what's happening right now, it's, it's very topical. And the idea is that it's a shame that more of that can't happen so that people realize they're more alike than they are different. And I think the more that, you know, you can try to do that. And most of the fundraising work I've done has been centered, centered around children and helping you know, children's causes. If we can all do that a little bit, it gives us an opportunity to you know, really make a change in the world. I love that. What is it particularly about children's charities that makes you want to really get involved in, and it makes you feel so passionate about making a difference? Well, the, the you know, children are the most vulnerable, and and, and the, you know the most you know that where you can provide the opportunity you know, to give them a chance to you know to really have a, a different perspective on life. It's something that whether it was that or helping out with the Big Brothers Big Sisters Junior, you know, setting up the first Big Brothers Big Sisters Junior Board uh, in the U.S. We set that up in Chicago when I was at transferred from Philly to Chicago. Whether it was working with the Police and Fire Widows Fund in New York for any officer, firefighter, EMT who dies in the line of duty gets you know support because again you know these people have lost a parent and the idea you know was to help them so that there's a little bit of extra money and to say we'll never forget what your parent had done so it's that or even in my local hometown you know helping raise money for the local pediatric ward of the hospital and or the library in town you know the idea with all of it is to provide that platform and opportunity so that kids have the true opportunity to to maximize their opportunities in life I love that. And whilst doing all of the projects that you mentioned there, throughout that period of time, you've had a full-time job and been working at a very high level as well. How do you balance off the volunteering work with your paid work? Well, part of it comes down to, it's the advice that I give to everyone when I, you know, actually, you know, that when someone comes and says, hey, you know, I'm looking for this balance within my life, my work-life balance, or I'm looking for where I should be going with my career. And what I always talk about is decide on the two or three things that are most important to you and protect those at all cost, And then let everything else kind of roll off your back. Because it's if you can be that focused, you can do really well at your career. And then you can you know, choose whether it's volunteer work, whether it's the arts, whether it's cooking, you know, whether it's hanging out with your friends, whatever that passion is. And it will change over time. It could be your family. It could be taking care of a, of a sick you know, loved one or you know, whatever it happens to be, you can, there's enough hours in the day to focus on those two to three things. It's when you start trying to spread even you know, more broad and whatnot, that's yeah. where things kind of go off the rails. And if you can do those things, it's a way to find you know, great clarity in your life. I love that. I love that, uh, you know, you really do care and you want to make a difference and that you really push yourself out there to make sure that happens. It's fantastic. Yeah, and there, and there are a lot of others who do it as well. I mean, you know, there's a lot of you know, peers in this industry who have those types of causes they truly believe in. You know, a friend of mine, you know, who's a non-practicing lawyer, gone out and, and helped Holocaust victims in retrieving, you know, their assets and whatnot. Even within the last five, 10 years, it's still going on. You've got others, you know, who are working in soup kitchens and you know, out on the street helping the homeless. There's a lot of different ways to do it. Fundraising and bringing people together in that way is a skill that I have. And that's where I've you know, tried to focus it on. Yeah. Well, it's good that you're using your skill for good. I love it. So, so taking you back to your career, as you mentioned, you, you started in accountancy. And what was your next iteration after the firm? 
So sure, I, I did uh, again five years at Laventhal. I then also you know was at Cooper's and Ibrand, and then in 1996 I made the switch to Lidl when I moved back to New York. And at the age of 30, 31, I was the uh, the global head of business development and marketing for Wild Gottschall, uh, which was uh, you know a great opportunity and a great challenge. Yeah. You were obviously quite young to take on such a huge big role. What was it that enabled you to do that? Do you think? The experience, you know, in the accounting industry, and again, you know, the law firms are really just starting to really do business development. You know, when I joined Wild, they didn't even work on pitches. They're like, yeah, we don't, we don't do those. Getting, getting a website. Hard to believe now, isn't it? You know, hundred <laughs> percent. It was, it was a totally different environment back then, and because I had done client feedback and whatnot at at Cooper's, I was able to kind of you know bring that as a whole new idea to the law firm you know, profession. And again, it was. Great people taking a risk on me and and providing the opportunity, you know, on, on my end to you know really start you know building out true marketing and business development function. And at the time, working with legends like you know Ira Milstein or Harvey Miller, people like that who were really you know kind of legends in the industry, including even people like you know Barry Wolf, who's currently you know the chairman at Wild. You know, I, I remember when you know you know Barry you know kind of you know, worked his way up into leadership and whatnot, and it goes back. You know, 20, 25 years. And um, it was a great opportunity and a great time to get started in uh, business development and marketing for professional service firms. Yeah. And as you mentioned there, you know, it was so embryonic, wasn't it? And now you look at it, it's actually a profession that people uh, at university want to go into. So it's, it's come hundred percent. Yeah. And then so from Wild Gotcha, I moved on to O'Melveny and Myers. Uh, they had just done the merger with the O'Sullivan firm, which was a boutique private equity firm in New York. And I was the head of you know, communications when I was there. And the majority of my staff was out in California. And you know, I was traveling back and forth between the East and West Coast, you know, trying, you know, working with the merger, and then also, you know, traveling overseas, you know, somewhat. And again, working with again remarkable people, uh, getting to know people like Bill Coleman, uh, which you know many of you may not know him, but Bill was the number two on Brown versus Board of Education, you know, the landmark decision, uh, you know, behind Thurgood Marshall. Working with people like you know Secretary of State Warren Christopher or A.B. Culverhouse, the former White House Counsel, and you know just retired as our ambassador to Australia. Uh, working with people like John Beisner and Walter Dellinger and, and many others who were again you know really well known people, including people in the current administration. Alan Mayorkas and you know, Ron Klein, who just came off it, and you know, a number of people who are you know really you know known both in politics as well as in the legal you know, profession, and it was a great opportunity. But for some personal reasons, I uh, wanted to kind of get off the road and, and be more local, and so I, I took the role at you know again the the head of business development at Kay Scholler. Uh, that was before the merger with Arnold and Porter. I uh, was there for a few years, and as things you know kind of you know, worked its way out, you know at the home front. Got back on on the road and and took the opportunity, which was a, a monumental one with Mayor Brown, uh, where yeah. I had spent you know, <laughs> you know, eleven plus years there, and I was the first person hired as the global head of business development and marketing. And so, prior to that, each kind of country was run as its own little you know, BD team, and what the firm wanted to do was you know, pull it all together and really maximize the investment that the firm had made in building the firm out, both you know with the recent merger at the yeah. time. Johnson Stokes and Master in Hong Kong, Twill and Checker in Brazil, as well as the the merger prior that you know, had been with with Rowan Ma, and so you, know, you pulled that all together as well as you know what we had in Germany and France and whatnot. It was really you know for the first time pulling all those resources together so that we're all rowing in the same direction, which yeah. really provided a lot of benefit for the firm. 
And did everybody want it? Because when you're trying to do something like that, which is huge, did you have to get people to buy into what you were trying to do first? Because sure. so, so, so challenging. <laughs> there, there was challenges across the board, you know, both from even in the interviewing process, you know, interviewing with you know, close to 30 plus people. So I had an interview with oh. someone from every practice and someone from every office. And we had to kind of you know, get the buy in. And then you know, within the team itself, you know, you had some people who said, no, no, I really would rather just, you know, run my, you know, shop myself. And it was like, well, this is the direction we're going. You're either getting on board or you're not. And, you know, using yeah. the old phrase from uh, good to great, you know, which, you know, the book, which some of that has, you know, has been discredited and whatnot, the, the philosophies behind the book, but that whole concept of getting the right people on the bus and then finding a seat for them so that we're all kind of you know, moving in the same direction. And that's what we did. And one of the things I was most proud of is once we kind of got the, the, the team really set, besides a couple of retirements, you know, was able to kind of keep that senior team together throughout uh, you know, my entire tenure at the firm. Uh, you know, people who could in their own right, you know, be CMOs, any you know, firm around the, you know, the country or in their respective countries. Yeah. Um, but being able to do that, you know, really helped the firm you know, move forward, had a continuity that allowed for you know, some really exciting projects and, and, and to really help the business development and marketing team really helped the partners in improving that bottom line in, in, in many ways. And then many partners, you know, throughout my tenure would talk about how person in charge of X section or Y section was more valuable to them than a large percentage of the lawyers in their practice, that they were that, they had that much kind of a seat at the table and, yeah. and, and, right. and, and, and an ability to really be part of the team and moving things forward. And that was, it was a great, great platform, great opportunity. How did you do that then? Because that didn't just happen. You know, it's very, very unusual, as you say, to get that level of attention, particularly if you've got these really high caliber people that naturally are going to want to keep developing and moving. So how did you make it work? By giving them the opportunity to shine, to have that seat at the table on, the, on their own and whatnot within their groups. The concept is to hire the right people and then let them you know, get on and do their job. So you can focus on what you, know, what you need to you know, focus on. And by doing that, it's great for you know, both sides. It's great for the organization. It's great for the individual. And again, when you, when you talk to people and, and they're looking for you know, career advice or, you know, or coming to you for any sort of advice, you don't really tell them what to do or, or whatnot. You listen to them. You listen to what they're saying. You know, what are they trying to accomplish? And then ask some probing questions that help them kind of get there mostly on their own because they know most of that. They're just looking for an assurance. They're looking for a sounding board. They're looking for something else. And, and sometimes you step in, but for the most part, the concept is to listen to what they're saying and to kind of help guide that conversation so that they can get to a place where they're comfortable with themselves in moving forward. And, and one of the things that try to instill on, on junior people as well, is decide what type of person you want to be within that organization. I talked about those two to three things and, and protect those at, at all costs, but that also comes down to your career. And what I mean by that is you're either going to be a person who really is available you know, 24-7 to the organization, you know, who's there, and if they're, if they're skilled and qualified and whatnot, then they should, get, they should reap the rewards that come with that. Then there are others who, again, have other outside interests, and it could be a ton of other things and, and, and other reasons. And what they then should expect is that, you know, to, to come in, do a solid job, because there's always a minimum platform of what ex the expectations are. But then you do your job, and then you go do your, you know, your outside activities. But then when it comes time to the, you know, the raises or bonuses or promotions, then you should expect to be somewhere in that kind of mid-tier. And if you're kind of clear with your boss as to 
how you want to be perceived and, 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 and how you want to be relied upon. And there's a, a good, you know, conversation with the, you know, the 180 reviews and whatnot, where people are really able to provide that kind of proper feedback. And you can then meet those goals and expectations. And then people then are in a good place, both knowing that, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to be that type of, you know, a personality, I'm going to be there all the time, and I'm going to get rewarded for it. Or B, I'm going to be a person who is in, but other outside interest, and I'm going to get compensated accordingly. And if yeah. you can get that combination, then people are in a much better place in order to, you know, to build that kind of team that everyone needs. You need a little bit of, you know, both type of people you in order to be successful. Yeah. <laughs> and and you, you're very pro-sponsorship as well, aren't you? As well as mentoring, but you do, you are pro-sponsorship of really trying to encourage people to come forward and give them a, a safe space in a room. Yeah, 100%. Because the thing is, is that it's only, you know, gotten tougher, especially kind of, you know, post-COVID world where it's become much more to the forefront of where people are at as far as both their, you know, their mental health and their personal lives and, you know, the business, you know, careers and whatnot. And so it's providing that place where each person, you know, feels though that they can be, you know, supportive of the team and we're supportive of their goals and objectives. And then also being able to develop professionally so that they can move on, you know, through different, you know, career progressions. Yeah. And so again, you know, I've, I've got a lot of people, you know, who start, you know, I can think of one, you know, who you know, she started out, you know, doing my website, you know, and she's now, you know, the CMO of a, of a West Coast firm, you know, actively involved on the LMA International Board, you know, but at the time, you know, she literally started out just working on the web. And so you never know how people are going to, you know, to, to progress through their career. But I've got a number of, you know, former team members who've been CMOs of other firms who have gone into other areas. And, you know, I, I had, you know, uh, Mayor Brown, you know, my recent firm, you had the person who was in charge of of PR and external communications is now the chief of staff to the firm. And you've got other people who are supporting litigation and are now the head of diversity at their firm. And you've got people doing a lot of other different types of things because careers can change for a number of reasons. And the idea is to be there and, and, and to continue to be a sounding board and to continue to be a support to them, you know, even if you worked with them 20 years ago. And then, you know, it's a great network. It's it's a great support group for myself as well. You know, they help me with stuff. I help them. And we all kind of, you know, you know, continue to, uh, you know, to check in with each other on a regular basis. I love that. And I love the fact that, you know, for the LMA, as, as you were talking through that, you know, it's this real collaborative way of working, isn't it? Where, as you say, people support and help each other. And you got this fantastic achievement award for the volunteering work that you've done. Can you talk me a little bit through that? That was for the Police and Widows Fund, the New York Police and Fire Widows and Children's Fund, which was a charity that was started by Rusty Staub, who used to play baseball in New York. And what happened was, charity started before I moved back to New York. But when I got to New York in 96, I helped get started with that charity, doing some volunteer work. And then 9-11 happened. And the whole you know, world stopped, and you know, at least in the US and whatnot, you know, for us, it was a you know, horrific day. But because we had this established group and because it was all volunteer and all the money that we raised besides the DNO insurance and the audit directly to the families, you know, the money that we raised, we were able to get on you know, a number of the different TV programs and whatnot, as well as out in the media talking about, hey, here's our audit. It's on our website. You know, look at it. The money goes right to the families. And so 
we became kind of a central focus, especially in the legal industry, because of you know the chairman at, at Wild Gotchel at the time, Steve Danhauser, was you know the I believe he was the president of the charity and whatnot. We had done a lot of work to help make the donations that were made and whatnot uh, non-taxable, you know, through yeah. you know people in our DC office and whatnot. And so a lot of the people within the legal industry knew that we were a charity that was helping the police and fire widows directly. And so we had a hundred volunteers a day in the conference room, opening up the letters that we received, whether it was a dollar or you know $10 million, they got the exact same thank you letter. That's amazing. And, and so then we had people coming in every day from you know different fire departments or different, you know, even you know, Jerry Seinfeld's wife, you know, came and you know, she wanted to, you know, to volunteer, which led to us getting half the proceeds from an event at um, at Carnegie Hall, a comedy event. You know, there's all these things happening. And and we were very fortunate because, again, the board, which was you know, comprised of you know, mostly you know, people from you know, Wall Street and other you know, leading industries in, 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 in New York, we were able to you know, kind of pull that together and, and raise you know, close to $100 million in 100 days. And again, all that money went directly. Oh. So from that, at the next annual LMA meeting, they asked me to give a small presentation during one of the, uh, the sessions to talk about what kind of you know, came out of that and whatnot since so many law firms had helped support us. And it was, uh, again, a, a great opportunity. I also was, you know, was in London uh, you know, for the, uh, the Managing Partners Forum. And again, same thing, we were recognized there for that. And it was a very, very challenging, but, you know, but interesting time. Because also my former wife was actually in the World Trade Center nine months pregnant on 9-11, you know, down in the middle of all that. And so my daughter was born right after that and trying to, again, juggle the charity, the work, you know, you know, being a father you know, for the second time. All that had to be done in one fell swoop, and it was a, a very interesting time. And again, it kept me very busy. So yeah, you, know, you didn't, you know, didn't really dwell too much on what actually happened down at the World Trade Center. Yeah, I mean, just unbelievable to even hear you talk about it, isn't it? Particularly when it's so close to your heart, being in New York, and also you know, with the with your wife, your pregnant wife being in the building, just unbelievable. So amazing what you did there and a very, very deserved charity, deserved charity, golly. And so can you talk to me a little bit about the value add piece? Because I know that it's something that we talk, we've spoken about as well, haven't we? How you really do have to add value all the time if you're working in business development and marketing. And you've got some really great examples of this as well, how the networking piece, which I know is something as well that is, is entwined in what you need to be doing in your area, but how that has helped to generate revenue for your firm. Sure. So what I talk about is, you know, when people say, well, what do you do for a living? And yeah, you, know, you, you said that you're like, you know, the head of business development, marketing, communications for a law firm. What is that? What, is it? what does that mean? And more internally as well is how do you explain that to the partners and others in the firm, as well as you know, even the most you know, junior summer associates? I talk about that we try to do four things in our profession. We try to help lawyers become better students of the firm that, they, you know, that you're at. You help the partners to become better students of the firm's clients. You help them to identify white space and more importantly, green space, which is the more higher value work. Yeah. And you help them to create stretch goals and to get a little bit out of their comfort zone, you know, because lawyers for the most part, you know, are, uh, are, are the least, you know, wanting to, you know, to, you know, to, to, to get out there and, and, and stretch a bit. But if you can do all four of those things, then you can have a real impact on helping the firm move forward. And so an example would be, you know, when you talk about being a student of the firm, and you know, something we spoke about earlier, I was getting on a plane to Frankfurt and with me was the chairman of a, of a major global you know, food company 
which who I knew from my town a little bit. You know, we did some fundraising together. Our kids went to school together. So after we went through the pleasantries of, you know, how our kids were doing, et cetera, I asked them the question, well, you know, is your company facing some of the same type of labeling issues, you know, as our clients? And I gave a couple of examples of, of the clients. And he's like, no, I don't think so. And so I had talked about how, again, many you know, of the food companies were, were facing these class action lawsuits because of what was put on the label, i.e., you know, is it Greek yogurt? You know, is it made in Greece? Is it you know, made with you know, Greek you know, sheep? Or is it Greek style yogurt? Or you know, how do you determine what is a natural ingredient? Is you know, cane processed sugar a natural ingredient? Things like that. And he said, no, he didn't think so, et cetera. And so you know, we kind of you know, moved on the conversation. And part of why I had known about that was the IP group had just done a whole presentation at the firm on all these labeling issues. So we're on the plane, you, know, you put your bag up, you, know, you grab a cocktail, you're sitting there, plane takes off. Next thing you know, he comes back you know, with two more you know, people from his company. And he's like, you know, Peter, can you tell me more about that? And so I start talking about it. And this guy looks at him and says, you know, okay, Peter, can you put together a you know, presentation on that for us? I'm like, sure. I'll get it to you, you know, once we kind of you know, land and you know, sometime in the next day or so. He's like, yeah, no problem. And what I didn't realize was that firm had been interviewing 30 different law firms for global IP counsel. And we weren't one of them. And from that conversation, we got that opportunity. We actually went to the store, you know, bought some of the products you know, that we felt that were some issues. And when we went and gave our presentation, we shared with them, here are some areas where you may have some, you know, some issue. Next thing you know, we're Global IP Council. Not only were we then Global <laughs> IP Council, but we also then did a couple of deals for them, you know, you know both in Asia and down in Brazil and, and elsewhere. So we, you know, we started doing you know, other work for them as well. But it's that opportunity. And the, the key is that anyone can have these different opportunities given the right situation. So the idea of being a student of the firm and not just knowing your little you know, niche practice area, but really understanding all the different areas within the firm. And granted, we're talking about a big, large international firm. It's, it, it's much different when you're a smaller you know, one office shop, because I know this audience that will be you know, viewing this is, is kind of all over the place. But there's still different ways where you, know, you can help communicate that. And, and people like the proposal people, people like you know, the people who are in charge of you know, the award submissions or you know, the chamber submissions or the other different areas and whatnot, you know, have a real understanding of what's going on within the firm. And so they have that opportunity when you're putting a pitch together to be able to voice to the partner, hey, have you thought about so-and-so? Have you thought about this? And, and you know, as, as a way to try to potentially add value. And again, if people, you know, once they've got, you know, some tenure you know, underneath them at being at the firm for a while, you learn those things. And it's an area where, you know, partners are usually just focused on, you know, their, you know, the, the, the clients that they work for, for the firm, you know, their practice area and whatnot. But the more that you can sit there and bring that in with opportunity, the better. You know, another area is using technology. Yeah. You know, again, being able to create dashboards so that you can feed more of that information in so that. You know, you can have, you know, for the different clients, you can compare one client, you know, to four others in that you know, same sector. So then you can start looking at, you know, how are we doing on you know, productivity? You know, what types of, you know, offerings are we giving that client as far as, you know, the, the specifics of, you know, the different types of products? Can that be transferred over from one to the other? As long as it's not, you know, highly confidential, that part of the work you're working on, but to have that information available. And so that you can start looking for opportunities to introduce the client to you know things that they may not be you know using the firm for. And so the more that you're you know able to do those types of things, doing brief presentations where you know you have a group in you know eight to 10 minutes talk very you know 
this is who we are. This is the service we provide. These are the types of matters we're working on. These are the things that you can, you know, use as talking points to sell us. And, you know, if you need more information, give us a call. You know, the more you're doing that type of stuff so that people can quickly absorb what a group is doing, you know, what is a new offering, you know, what's happening so that it's and make it readily available for them, you know, on the firm's intranet or whatnot so that they can find this type of information. It allows them then to, again, be in a position to offer that up, depending upon where you're at, whether it's the airport, car wash, your kids, you know, ball game, you know, whatever happens to be the opera, you know, whatever you happen to love, there's those opportunities to then be able to make that kind of introduction in a moment's notice. I love that. And it's always, you know, thinking, as you say, you know, the network is, is always something you have to grow. It's something you have to invest in as well, isn't it? If you're investing in yourself and your career and yeah. also the, the, you know, the, your point there around technology, it's also the data points as well, isn't it? The, if you want to really get a point across, particularly with lawyers, then data is essential, isn't it? Well, the, quality of data, the quality of data, I should say. It's the quality of data and, and the availability to access it very quickly. Um, yeah. And so, you know, that'll become more and more as, you know, as AI and whatnot, you know, you know, creep into our industry and whatnot. But that's going to be a differentiator over time is, you know, who can quickly kind of assess that information, you know, pull yeah. it together, have it readily available for people. Um, and again, I think AI and, and other uh, other technologies will, uh, will help uh, make that, uh, you know, more seamless and, and, and easy to access. And that's a really good point because you know, there's a whole fear factor around AI. You know, I think one of the benefits is that it can consolidate information quickly if if you need it to, and it's got to be used for good, not for evil. AI, exactly, exactly, <laughs> which I love. And so, when you obviously were doing so much traveling, and there was a lot of travel involved, you know, at Mayor Brown as well. How did you deal with that? You know, what boundaries did you set yourself to be able to do that, give your best self, but also be able to have some time and be able to come back home and just be at home and in the moment as well? Um, again, it's it's always, uh, you know, uh, you know an, an interesting, I don't want to say the word struggle, but it's an interesting, you know, opportunity. And, um, you know, you just, you you do it. And what it you know, came down to was, for the most part, I was on the road, you know, every couple of weeks, you know, this is again, prior to COVID. With Mayor Brown, you were yes, both you know between the domestic U.S. offices and the international offices. You were out meeting with clients throughout, whether it be feedback, you know, whether it be you know through different you know meetings and and different presentations that the firm was giving. It's meeting with the partners and and meeting with your team, because again, each country really is different and each region is is very different. And you know you don't truly understand that unless you're on the ground and and with the people. Because again, you can run into a person who I've been meaning to call you, you know, let's talk about this and, you know, kind of catching people at different times. So when you're on the road, you know, you're with those people, you know, literally, you know, day and night. And then when you get home, you know, you're there for the kids, whether it was, you know, again, coaching their, you know, their softball team or helping, you know, one was, you know, very active in music and, you know, taking them to Juilliard every weekend, you know, to play, you know, it's, it's that kind of balance. And, you know, even when you're on the road, you can have opportunity to, pick something up for your child that, you know, that, you know, there's a real passion of theirs, you know, whether it be a book, whether it be some music or, you know, even just, uh, you know, something that they, that they might find of interest. And so, you know, you're always kind of looking for those things as well, because the more that you can you know, keep that together. And even when I talked about something like the fundraising and whatnot, you know, getting the kids involved, you know, when we were going out to Disney, you know, land, they each had to do volunteer work in order to, you know, to, to pay for their you know, day pass, you know, to go there. Um, not that we couldn't afford it, but the idea was, you know, to understand, that giving back and whatnot is is a good way to to help you know, move it forward and yeah you know, so you know we we did that and 
you know, my, my kids, and particularly my my older daughter, was you know very much involved in, in different you know activities and whatnot. You know, whether it be a you know toy drive and helping to go pick out the you know the gifts to again uh, doing a, a recycle a bicycle you know program uh, you know through her school where you know they were taking you know, bicycles you know that were gently used from other people and then having them fixed up and then reselling them with the money going to an orphanage it's right. it's having that kind of you know back and forth and that is probably a little bit more of a US thing than than some other parts of the world um yeah. as far as you know this this kind of you know how many opportunities there are for volunteering and and charity work but you know there there's a place for that for everybody yeah. And I do think actually, you know, the corporate social responsibility for firms now has definitely increased hugely, hasn't it? And for all levels. And I know that, you know, lots of firms, it's incredibly important, as is the agenda around equity, diversity and inclusion. And it feels like that journey is going along and ESG with the corporate social responsibility as well. So things are really starting to move in the right direction. Yeah, so, so let me give you an example of that. So our DC office, when I was at Mayor Brown, you know, had different money that it would give to different charities and whatnot, but they were kind of one-offs and whatnot. And, mm-hmm. and again, not being an original you know, DC-based firm, you know, how do you kind of you know, help raise the profile and, and work through some of that noise that's there? And so I sat down with the, the managing partner and we, we discussed it. And I said, you know, look, one way that you might consider addressing this is pick a cause that you know people are passionate around the office you know whether it again could be against social justice it could be children it could whatever it happens to be and then do things that kind of you know create synergies between the different groups so they chose children and so what they did was they worked with a group of children that were you know about photography for you know social issues right and then they had another group that was taking inner city kids and teaming them up with the Washington Nationals baseball team. And then they had another group that was about promoting reading. But we started doing that was introducing the different charities to each other so that the social justice photographers got on the field and were able to take pictures of, you know, at a ball game. The book group was able to give kids to the you know, books to the photographers, as well as the kids on the baseball one and and vice versa. So you're starting to pull these together so that groups that were just in their kind of own single lane doing their own fundraising were now teaming with others that we helped introduce to each other. And what it creates is kind of an exponential benefit. It creates, you know, new opportunities, you know, without significant additional cost, but it also allows then, you know, greater exposure. And we were able to build off of those and, you know, create some, you know, some great opportunities. And so, which even led to, you know, cocktail parties in the office where you had the social justice, you know, photographs up and clients, you know, could, you know, view them and, and, and the people within the firm could view them. And then again, gain more exposure and gain more people, you know, you know interested in these types of, you know, you know programs. So that's really great. I mean, that's a really great example of how it works. Well, yeah. isn't it? Exactly. Pulling everything together. And you obviously have been working in law firms for a number of years now. And something that you love, as we mentioned earlier on, you love the kind of quality of the people that you're working with. What do you think are the biggest challenges at the moment for CMOs in law firms? Well, again, you know, you there are there are a number of them. And again, it, it comes down to, you know, there's a real, you know, kind of challenge and whatnot in the commitment that you know people want to provide to their profession. And so it's it's again finding those right type of people who are you know truly dedicated to meet the needs and 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 whatnot of the lawyers who again they're facing their own challenges of this kind of work life balance. And that's number one. You know, number two is also again, you know, getting the people who to, to look at the new technologies and, and look at you know the new opportunities that are out there and making sure that you're continuing 
to you know, make those investments, but getting people interested in, you know, in your team you know, who want to take on some of those challenges. And, and they may you know, be asked to create a, you know, a, a demo program or you know, you know, kind of using a particular area or particular office or whatnot you know, to be really kind of the guinea pig in trying out these new technologies and, and, and seeing how they work. And then, you know, depending upon the success with those, you know, then, then, then bring, you know, to bring them over. And so, you know, incubation and whatnot of, of new ideas and whatnot is, you know, kind of a fun and interesting area, but it's also has its challenges. And sometimes you hit, sometimes you miss, but as long as everyone knows that you're making those, you know, those investments in these incubation type of initiatives and you're giving credit for giving a shot and seeing where it goes. Yeah. And so that, that's, you know, some of the types of areas, you know, that I see, that I see today, um, as well as just, you know, this, the standard hours in the day and, and, and how are you going to get, kind of get it all done? Yeah. That's one thing that we can't change, isn't it? There's nope, always a number of hours in the day than the week. So what would you say has been your biggest challenge then in your career so far? The biggest challenge is, is how those things change because the profession has changed a ton and that's, that's great. And that's, and it's great, the opportunities, but again, it's staying on top of that. And that is just constantly something that you're always you know, battling with and, you know, making sure that you're not always going after the latest flavor, but that there's, you know, good, you know, return on investment of, of what you do invest in. And, but the more and more that happens, and there will be the challenges, as I said, with AI and whether it be kind of across the board, you know, CRM, you know, could be radically changed by AI, you know, graphics can be radically you know, changed, you know, putting pitches together can be radically changed putting together press releases. I mean, there's so many different areas where, you know, this will change over the next, you know, five, 10, you know, to 15 years. Part of it will come down to is how much people want to invest in it, you know, both from the people, you know, kind of creating these opportunities as well as, you know, the, the firms, you know, the accounting industry, you know, spends a lot more money on investing in, in all sorts of technologies and whatnot than the, the, the law firms. And as they continue to, you know, creep into, uh, you know, providing legal services and whatnot, and, and alternative legal providers, you know, they will continue to have, you know, much more single focus and put all their resources into whichever type of technology they're building. So those will be there. And to me, a great, you know, opportunity, but also, as I said, it, it's it's definitely some headwinds. Yeah, threat, isn't it, as well? I think that, you know, the alternative legal providers, it's going to be quite interesting to see what happens and how things developed over over the coming years. And and highlights, what about what have been your highlights? You know, again, you know, the one piece of advice I got, you know, when I first you know, was interviewing with Wild Gottschall was, you know, from my uh, my mentor, John Neary. And he said to me, as we were going to meet with a partner who actually was literally up in, he was in a hospital getting his, you know, his leg worked on. And that was where the interview took place, was in, in, in the hospital. Room. <laughs> and, you know, after a little bit of like, I can't believe I'm doing this, you know, John had a great Irish brogue. He said to me, Peter, there's something you need to learn, you know, in, in this industry, which is, you know, you have to have a thick skin and a good sense of humor. And uh, that is something that I've carried with me. And it's something that I would, I would pass on to anybody because uh, that really is important. You know, the idea is, again, Focus on on the key issues, let the rest roll off your back and always do it, you know, kind of with a smile and a laugh. And the more that you can do that, you know, the better off you'll be. Yeah, that's so true, isn't it? Which I know that you've mentioned a couple of people have been, you know, mentors for you and have had an impact on you in your career. Would you recommend that people do look out for mentors or sponsors or is it more around the network? What would you say is the most important? Yeah, the answer is definitely, you know, Look at your network and look at the people that are around you and take it where you can. I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, don't force it. It needs to really, you know, come naturally. But there's people that you admire, you know, let them know, that, you know, that, that you do admire them and, and that you're, you know, you're, you know, willing to, you know, to learn, you know, what you can. 
And it's just, it's, it's, it's really comes down to good active listening. The yeah. more active listening you're doing, you know, whether it be again, a client feedback or, you know, whether it be, you know, in, in your day to day and you'll figure out who those people are. And again, and the idea is then is, you know, keep in touch with them, you know, throughout, you know, the years and, you know, checking with them every once in a while and, you know, make sure that uh, you're both, you know, kind of, you know, in, in a place where you're there for each other. And as, as time goes on and you, you get more years of experience, then it becomes more of a kind of a peer-to-peer. There's, they can still be a mentor, but it becomes more you know, peer-to-peer as to where you can also you know, help you know, offer advice and whatnot. I think that's so important as well. And particularly when you're networking, you know, if you can start networking earlier on in your career with other people, then you will both grow up alongside each other. And then your, you know, your peer group is going to be someone that's more senior in another firm or another industry. And that leads, as you were saying, to conversations on a plane that lead to then work being brought in. So I think it's really that's important it. to invest in and, that. and that's what is one of the things I, you know, I, I told my children, my daughter, um, you know, the one who, who works in nuclear was doing that. And so she had some great opportunities, you know, interviewing different people in Congress and, and, and different people on, on, on law scholars and whatnot on webcasts that she was running. And I kept saying, like, you know, make sure you're, you know, you're, you're connecting with their staff and, and, and these folks. And, and she's like, dad, dad, I'm like, no, trust me, this will pay mm-hmm. off. And then eventually, you know, she's still at, at university at the time, you know, gets a phone call from the company that she's now working for and saying, we want to hire you to run, you know, all of our you know, social media, you know, web, you know, webcasts and whatnot. And she's like, well, I'm still in college. We're like, yeah, but we've seen your portfolio. You know, we, we love the connections you've made. And that was the opportunity that she got. And so, you know, she, she's, she's done that to now two years later, she's the chief of staff to the chairman and, uh, you know, really hitting out of the ballpark. And so you never know how these opportunities are going to come about. But what it really comes down to is, again, connecting with the people, doing the proper things with the tools that are available now, like LinkedIn and others, you know, making sure that you are putting in the effort. And that's another thing. Put in the effort, you know, when you're starting your career. Yeah, because as you then you continue, you then have opportunities. Whereas if you don't do it when you're on the junior side, then those opportunities never happen. So you know it's much better to be in a position where then you can choose where you want you know your career to go versus you know by not investing in it early and then you're sitting there ten years later and you're you know you're you're given what you what you can get. It's one way, one way for your career then, haven't you? Yeah, exactly. I think also paying it forward is something that you and I have discussed as well, isn't it? And I think that's something that you definitely live and breathe by. A hundred percent. And a hundred percent. And the more you do that, then the more there's those opportunities when you need help as well, that people are going to remember and reach out and, and provide that opportunity for you as well. So it's a two-way street on all of this. Yeah. And that's really what it comes down to. Great relationships and you know, great people, sunny dispositions, uh, but you know, tough when you need to be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's the same time. Once you've been in this for a while, there's some, you know, just really just amazing people you can meet and amazing opportunities that you that can be provided to you. And if you really, really, you know, take the time and, and jump in with, with both feet and, 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 and real enthusiasm and real you know, passion and love, then the sky's the limit as to what, you know, what's really out there. As long as you've got, you know, the, the skills and whatnot to kind of, you know, to get it done. Yeah. And that's really, you know, that's, that's the, the, the first key. Nice, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I always love, you know, again, you know, People who come in and say, hey, what can I take off your desk? What can I do to help you? I'm looking for, you know, for, you know to, to move forward. And if those people are skilled and they're good at what they do, then you, you're going to take that time and you're going to invest in them. And, you know, together, you all can make as, 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 as great hay as possible. Well, I have to say thank you so much for your time today. I found it a really interesting conversation. Definitely going to take away, you know, jumping in 
making sure that you're present, the active listening, and also the great advice about remaining thick-skinned and letting it all go. <laughs> well, thank you, Nikki. And again, thank you for the opportunity. And I wish everyone you know all the best this holiday season. Thank you. All the best. Cheers. Cheers.